Welcome to Girl, Water Your Grass. We talk about all the things to better yourself, your family, your career, your dreams, your goals, and your life, and how God's dreams over us are so much bigger than our own. We are just two girlfriends who grew up in the bluegrass state of Kentucky with five brothers each and have reunited to take our dreams to the next level. Now we're inviting you to get out of your own way, girlfriend, and come on this ride because on this journey of a lifetime, we never arrive. Welcome back, everybody. It is Maria, and I know you guys are usually used to MK doing the opening. <laughs> But she is currently in an appointment. She is pregnant with baby number seven. So there's a dance going on. Um, but we are so excited today to have this awesome man named Samuel Johnson on Girl Water Your Grass. So Sam, we just want to say welcome. And then I'm going to give them a little intro of who you are because you have a really, a really interesting um, tagline on your Instagram. So welcome. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> yeah. So Sam Johnson, he's an executive health and performance coach. He's been in the industry for 11 years and he went from, and this is what's so amazing. He went from abusing drugs and alcohol to now running his own business called Travel Fit Co. And his passion is teaching and helping people see breakthrough in their own lives to become the best version of themselves. I freaking loved that. Your Instagram caught my eye where it said from drug addict to entrepreneur. Yeah. And um, so who is Sam Johnson? And do you like to go by Sam or Samuel? Actually, a lot of people call me Sammy. Love it. Okay. My, my Instagram handle took over my my real name. So <laughs> my Instagram handle is Sammy G Fit. So everybody yeah. just calls me Sammy G. Amazing. Amazing. Well, would you walk our listeners down your story? That's a pretty big uh, from drug addict to entrepreneur yeah. How did, you know, how did that happen? How did getting into drugs happen? How did getting out of drugs happen? <laughs> All right. So I'll give you the cliff notes and then you can ask questions wherever you want, because we could be here for two days on my story. Yes. So I grew up in a Catholic flame family and grew up in the Catholic church yeah. and essentially was completely disconnected from the church, uh, just for myself. Right. Sure. I was not interested at all in church as, as a kid and uh, pretty much just slept my way through it the entire time mm. and fought my mom on it every single time she made us go. Yeah. And so uh, growing up, my dad was a drug addict. And so he was addicted to opiates and also struggled with alcohol and some other drugs as well. And so I grew up in a chaotic home, right? Everybody grows up in a broken home. Uh, and so I, I grew up in the middle of chaos and his drug addiction really pulled our family apart and pretty much divided us. Uh, so I have a brother, he's six years older, and then my mom, and then it was my dad. Mm. So it was kind of like my my dad and I versus my mom and brother, quote unquote. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately, the short story of it is I followed in my dad's footsteps. Mm -hmm. I smoked my first joint when I was 14 years old, and I was high from 14 years old to 18 years old every single day. 
and put every single drug in my body that I possibly could. And also we started drinking in sixth grade too. So nothing crazy, right? So typical, like take the, you know, take a fifth from your parents, uh, alcohol cabinet Mm -hmm. and, you know, run wild over the weekends. And so started drinking in in middle school and then picked the drugs up in high school. And then from there, I actually got, I was arrested when I was 15 years old Mm -hmm. and didn't learn my lesson then. Uh, Then I was kicked out of school my sophomore, actually my junior year. And that was kind of my wake up call. Uh, So I was suspended for 60 days and then I had to go to an alternative school. And that actually pretty much was like, that was the lifesaver right there because it got me out of the environment that I was in. An environment is so important when you're wanting to change behavior and you're wanting to change your life. And I actually went to a high school. This is in St. Louis. Uh, in St. Charles County, went to a high school called Hope High. And it is an alternative high school that's typically deemed for like where all the bad kids go, Uh, which was true to some extent, but every high school has got their bad kids, quote unquote. (laughs) And that was my saving grace, to be honest. Like that was, that was kind of the the interruption for me where I was able to get into a place where the teachers cared about me and I was able to pour my heart out into my schoolwork. And so fast forward, uh, I stayed home from college because I was too scared to go. Cause I just felt like I was going to either drop out or drink myself to death. Mm. And then around 21 years old, I started drinking again. Mm-hmm. And then 22 years old, I lost my dad to a heroin overdose. Oh, and so then from there, that's when I went downhill. And so from about 22 years old to 26 years old, I was binge drinking every single weekend uh, so that would look like something of like 25 to 40 drinks a night. So somewhere between like two to two to four, uh, two to three fifths of vodka and would do that two or three times a week. And then during the week, you know, would have like three or four drinks. And so, um, the end of that came in May of 2019 when God saved my life. I guess it's probably important to mention that I was an atheist from like 12 to 26 years old as well. And then May 5th, 2019 is when I met the Lord and that was the beginning of my healing journey. Okay. So much in there. Oh my God. (laughs) Thank you. There's a lot. That's why I always say, I'm like, I'll give you cliff notes and we can dig in wherever you want. Awesome. First of all, thank you for sharing your story because I think whenever, you know, we all have different pain points in our lives. We all have journeys that we've been through, but I think when someone has grown up in, in such a chaotic space where there is such uh, very uh, addictions that are very out there. Right. And it's, and you know, it, they all know it. It's very obvious in there and it's really impacting, um, that that does have a huge effect on us, you know, and for some people they, they go down that line and they kind of stay sunk in shame. Right. And they don't talk about it, but to be able to bring that forward in the light is it's not only healing for you, but it's healing for so many others, you know, and it can bring hope for so many. So let's talk about where was your mindset and your heart during that time from that 12 to 20, you know, like what was going on for you that it's like, okay, I'm, I'm following my dad's footsteps, you know, like what bring us there. Yeah, that's a great question. So one other thing that's probably important to mention is that, um, I, cause all this is intertwined, right? So, uh, at five years old, I was exposed to pornography. Mm. And so we had, I don't want to say we, uh, yeah. My dad had, you know, a magazine magazine basket next to the toilet and there were Playboy magazines in there. And so uh, I was exposed to that at a very young age. And mm-hmm. then when computers became a thing and internet pornography, I had discovered inter- internet pornography. I mean, I, I just went completely downhill. And so right. I, I would say that that has been the hardest of mm-hmm. the addictions. And then 
uh, at 15 years old, I'm assuming that we can just be completely. Oh, we are, we, we are so open in that space. Cool. Yeah. So at 15 exactly. years old, I lost my virginity. And then from there just became addicted to sex. And so yeah. my entire identity was wrapped in pornography and sex and women. Mm. So mm. we can circle back to that. Yeah. But I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. So from 12 to 26 years old, I think my mindset was honestly just coping. Yeah. You know, I always, we always looked back and we, like my friends and I used to talk about like, there's nothing to do here. Like we're just bored. So we just did drugs and we'd get high. But the reality is, is that all of us came from really broken homes. Uh, the people that I was spending time around, not one of them was dealing with some pretty, like pretty, uh, a lot of brokenness in their homes. And so I look back and I, and I can see that a lot of us were just, were just trying to hide. We were just trying to run from the brokenness and the fighting and the chaos that was happening in our homes. And so for me in that, uh, probably in that 12 to 18 years old, that's where I was at. And then what happened was my dad was disabled and my mom and my brother reached a point where they had to step back and say, Hey, you know what? Like we've done everything that we possibly can. You know, this has been 18 years at this point that they've, that my mom's, you know, sent him to rehab five different times and has been providing for him. And she's just like, I I can't do this anymore. So they chose to step out. And at that point I was given an option to follow them or to stay in. And so about 17, 18 years old, I decided, you know what, like, I know my dad doesn't have a long time to live. And I love this man, and I'm going to see this out. And so from 18 to 22, I essentially became the caretaker. And our roles reversed at a really pivotal time in my life where I really needed a father figure to help groom me and to help lead me in life and to teach me. But I didn't have that. Mm -hmm. And so from 18 to 22, it was just chaos right? There was fighting every single day, uh, tons of manipulation, and essentially was just keeping my dad off the street because he didn't have a job. He was on disability. He was bouncing all over the place. And so our relationship really, really took a toll during that time. Mm -hmm. And my way of medicating during that time was with work. So I buried myself in work for two reasons. One, it was an escape. The other thing is that I had a fear of ending up like my dad. Oh, I didn't want to end up. I didn't want to end up in a place where uh, I didn't have money and I was unable to provide. And so I was working, you know, 60 to 80 hour weeks while also in going to community college uh, because that was my way to be able to medicate myself. What were you doing for work at the time? Personal training. Okay. Yeah. So my, I started in the health industry, uh, at the vitamin shop when I was 17, worked there for a year and a half. And then I went into personal training for seven years. Okay. And where, you know, did any of your friends, did any of them have any kind of a faith life? Did any of you guys have any, did any of you guys have any, I guess anyone in your life, right. Who in some capacity was bringing love, you know, who's bringing God to you, who's bringing, did you guys have anyone in your life that kind of stands up or did you just feel like, gosh, like it's, it's just, it's us against Yeah, that's a great question. So I actually had a few girlfriends growing up. Uh, when I say girlfriends, I just mean girls that are friends sure. um, that love Jesus and would pray for me for a long time. I remember them telling me that they were praying for me and that they were uh, hoping that I would be able to find God. But I had so much hatred in my heart for God that I wouldn't hear it. 
at all. And so I would say that those were probably the, there was just, there was a, there was a select few women in my life at that age. And that was probably around like 15, 16 years old sure. that were really praying for us and that would speak about God. But if you talk, tried to talk to me about God at that time, it was just like hand in your face. I don't want to hear it. And was that hatred because you felt like you'd been abandoned or you felt like what was, what was that such a hatred from? When I was younger, I always say that I prayed three prayers, the Our Father, Hail Mary, because it's the only two that I knew. And then the third prayer would be that my dad would get hit, that he would be healed and that uh -huh. the fighting would stop inside of my house and, and that uh, there would just be peace. And so this was like single digit age. Right. And that was essentially what led me to being an atheist because nothing ever changed. Totally. So obviously the important thing to realize is that like, I didn't have a relationship with Jesus and I was never taught any of yeah. this. And I was too young to understand what was going on. Sure. And so over time, as that prayer never got answered, mm. I just started to grow further and further apart. And then finally I was like, this is stupid. You know, like totally. you can't be real because you're not answering this prayer. And then from there, right. what happened is my dad would speak about God all the time, but almost in a way where he would use it as a crutch. And so as my dad would continue to say like, Oh, God's going to do this or God's going to do that. And then he would follow it up with no action. Like I grew even more hatred for God. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's so amazing to me, the, um, the ways that the enemy gets into those wounds so early, you know, mm -hmm. like we, yeah. we're, we're, we know that we're imperfect people and we, we all have our brokenness and there's um, this podcast actually that MK and I have referenced before and we, we love, it's called the anatomy of a wound and it's a five part series, but it, he, he dives into this, this kind of explaining, you know, when there has been a wound, right. There's usually a lie that the enemy will whisper to you at the time. And especially when you're a kid, you know, like you, you latch onto those and you kind of can come yeah. into agreement with it. And then it starts to, you start to live out of that space. Well, it's like, oh, well, God didn't answer my prayer. There might, you know, my, there's not peace. My dad is still, you know, really addicted and it's really bad. So I guess God doesn't exist. Or if he does, he's, he does, he's not good, you know, whatever yeah. those things are. And then you grow into that and you keep following that trajectory. Right. Yeah. Um, so bring us forward then in the meantime, did you have a relationship with your mom during this time? Also with your brother, what was happening with that? Yeah. My relationship with my mom was, it was fine. The problem was, is that my dad was manipulating me mm -hmm. into thinking that they were against him. And so I essentially played the middleman, like the referee. That's hard. So yeah. if my parents were fighting, then I was in the middle of it. And I was trying to protect my dad and I was trying to protect my mom. Yes. And so over time, that just became really, really hard for me to be able to understand what was going on. And obviously dealing with an addict that's very manipulative. Most addicts are manipulative. Yes. Uh, I was just really confused. And so I think I had a lot of anger towards my mom for a long time. And she was doing the best that she could to just protect me, right? She was trying to do anything that she could to shield me from what was happening in the house, especially at a young age. Mm -hmm. And my relationship with my brother was interesting. I had a lot of anger when I was a kid. Yeah. And so when him and his friends would babysit me when I was when I was younger, it would just be a war zone, literally. <laughs> it would be a war zone. 
And so I think that a lot of our relationship growing up was like me lashing out towards him. Totally. And yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. just because I, I I never really learned how to process emotion because I was always in the middle of this chaotic emotion. Yes. At least that's what I've come to in terms of some work I've done in therapy. Mm-hmm. And so if you fast forward to today, our relationship's great, right? My mom and I, my mom has walked through every single bit of my healing journey from addiction and just my faith journey. And so has my brother. And so they're the most supportive people that I could ask for. And we are much closer today, which is awesome. That's incredible. All right. So let's bring us into this space then of encountering the Lord where the Lord really saved you. So what happened? (laughs) Okay. So this is probably where it's important to talk about like the sex and the porn addiction. So my identity as a teenager was how many women can I sleep with? Mm-hmm. And how many can I string along at one time? Mm-hmm. My old man told me, this was my sex talk when I was younger, Sam, sleep with as many women as you can, because one day you're going to be married and you're going to look back and you're going to wish that you wouldn't have said no to every opportunity that you had. Mm-hmm. So I took that and I ran with it. Yeah. And I didn't have an identity as a man. I didn't have an identity as a son of God. And so my identity became that. Mm-hmm. And so for from 15 to 26 years old, so for about 11 years, mm-hmm. uh, not only was I battling this porn addiction that was just consuming my life, I was yeah. also wrapped up with women as well. Mm-hmm. And essentially what happened was towards 24, no, I would say from like 25 Hold on, I'm trying to trying to do some math here. Yeah, so 24 to 26 years old. So right around 2018, uh, I was caught cheating mm-hmm. and really, really, really hurt the person that I was with. And that was kind of my the first time where I started to wake up to what I was doing. And I was like, man, this is not something that I want to do anymore. Right. And so I continued on that path for a while, but not in a relationship because my thing is I would do anything and say anything that I needed to do to string a woman along to continue to have sex with them uh, until it fell apart. And so I finally hit this place in early 2019 where I was with a woman that I guess found some things out about me. I still have no idea to this day. And she was really hurt and said a lot of really hurtful things, which I'm really thankful for because that was the point at which I was like, man, I'm kind of tired of being called these names Mm. because any woman that I'd ever been with, once they found out what I was doing, obviously they weren't happy. And so when she lashed out and was calling me names, I was like, I'm really tired of this. So fast forward to the end of 2018 and beginning of January, 2019, I met a woman and saw her and instantly said, like, I'm going to marry that girl. Mm-hmm. And so I pursued her. And the first thing she asked me was, do you have a relationship with God? And I was like, no, but I grew up in the church. I grew up Catholic, so I can have these conversations about God. And as God would have it, she accepted that. Mm-hmm. And we began a relationship in January of 2019. And there was a lot of tension there because she wanted to wait for marriage to have sex. And I was also really, really struggling. Like this was like the peak of my sex addiction. Mm -hmm. And so April Easter of 2019, she invited me to church. 
And I said, yes, because I idolized this woman. I put her on a pedestal and worshiped her essentially. So I would do anything and everything I possibly could to make her feel loved, but also so I wouldn't lose her because I didn't feel worthy of that, which is a whole nother conversation. Mm. She invites me to church April, 2019 on Easter. I go in, this is the first time I've ever been in a non-denominational charismatic Christian church. And I was, I was very like, I was taken aback. I was like, I don't know what is happening in this place. People are nuts. So, you know, people are running around screaming, crying. And so she invites me back the next week. I say yes. And then she invites me back the next week. And so this is May 5th of 2019 at this point. And I remember walking into church. And as I walked through the doors, I just said inside of me, I said, all right, God, whatever you want to do, I'm open. Mm. So I gave him permission and worship started. And uh, this woman was down in the front at the altar. And as soon as worship started, like she just collapsed to her knees. And I like, I just like, couldn't take my eyes off of her. Cause we, we were sitting all the way in the back. I couldn't take my eyes off her. And for about 20 seconds, like she was just on the ground weeping and worshiping. And then I just literally like, it felt like I got knocked over by the wind of the Holy spirit. I fell back into the pew and what, like, I just, I was out like, literally it was like, I was out. I don't remember what happened. Mm. Um, I woke up in another man's arms crying that I've never met. And Mm. that was it. So that was when the Holy spirit came in and saved me (laughs) and just like completely wrecked me. I had, I like, couldn't talk afterwards. Like we went home and she was trying to ask me what happened. I was like, I, I have no idea. And so, yeah, God just came in, like had a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit uh, and he saved me that day. So tell us a little bit about the heart shift, right? So someone's listening to this and, and, well, okay, what do you mean God saved you there? Like what happened? So emotionally, mentally, what, what shifted for you? That's a really good question because it actually took me a while to realize what happened. Yeah. The salvation was immediate, right? I had an encounter with the the true living God. Yeah. But I I didn't have anybody to help me understand what happened. Mm-hmm. And so from May, probably all the way till like September or November of 2019, I was still doing the same things I was doing. I was still going out and getting drunk. We were really struggling sexually to be able to abstain from sex. Mm-hmm. And so I was still living in the world. Yeah. And so it took me a while to realize that I was saved and that I was instantly healed. And the heart shift really, I'll be honest with you, I didn't really understand what had happened and didn't really feel it until probably the end of the year. Mm. And towards the end of the year, we broke up in November. Mm-hmm. And when we broke up, that was when I realized that like something wasn't right inside of me and that I needed help. And so that's when I began to seek out help from a therapist. And I began this healing journey that I went on for 15 months to get free from the sex and the porn addiction. Cause I had already pretty much, um, I'd given up drugs a long time ago and the alcohol was something that God was just slowly working out of me. Right. So it's kind of hard to explain what the heart shift was because I think that while some, while some, while I knew something had happened, I actually, I actually didn't know. Wow. It's amazing how just an instant of grace, right? Just yeah. a moment of grace can do so much. And at the same time, there is still that very real, it, it kind of reminds me of, I think sometimes in the fitness world, right? That people will be like, Oh Lord, help me lose weight. 
but then they, mm-hmm. they're not willing to get off their couch, right? Yeah. They, or, or change their eating, or maybe they don't even know how or start moving their body more, right? Yeah. And until they do get a, a personal trainer, maybe, or they, you know, they enlist some kind of help. And I, I, I think of St. Paul, right? Like he was knocked off his horse, but then he really didn't step out into public ministry for a while, you know? Yeah. And, and, and it's interesting because I, I, I've heard, I remember hearing, um, actually hearing a priest in the homily about that once where he was talking about, we can ha- have a heart change, mm-hmm. but virtue slash habits, right? Those take time usually to cultivate. Sure. Every once in a while, yeah. there's like an instantaneous healing, right? Where that whole, everything is shifted, right? Yeah. But you can have a heart shift, but then it takes time for your brain and body to catch up to those, to, to yeah. that change. And it sounds to me, that's kind of what was happening was the Lord gave you this amazing, beautiful, precious, like grace of, mm-hmm. of change. But then it's like, okay, what do you do with that? Now, how do you start to step into that? Like, in a sense, like really even receive more fully that healing that the Lord had wanted to give you, you know, here's some of the practicals in the healing process, which it sounds like working with therapists was pretty huge for that. It's really important to mention in terms of the heart shift that happened there is I had a lot of unbelief to get rid of mm-hmm. and I was saved. Mm-hmm. And then my girlfriend bought me a Bible and I started to read it, but I was like, Lord, I don't believe a lot of this stuff. There's a lot in here that I don't understand. There's a lot in here that goes against everything that I've studied when I was an atheist, because for 15 years I had been studying why God was not real. Sure. And so I think that there was a lot of unbelief that had to take place. But I think the really cool thing about my relationship with the Lord right out of the gate Mm -hmm. is that it was vulnerable. Yes. I felt like I could go to him with anything and everything and say, God, like, this is how I'm feeling. And mm-hmm. like, I, I don't believe this, right. Yeah. Help my unbelief. And I think a lot of Christians, maybe that have grown up in the church when they've grown up under the teaching of the law, right. And like, do this, don't do that. And if you do something wrong or do something that goes against what the Bible says, like, you're going to hell. Right. right. And so for me, I was like, I don't really have any shame in this, right? Mm. Here I am. I know I'm not perfect. I know I need this help. And I know I have a lot of things that I need to work on and to give over to you. And so it allowed me to come to him with this heart of like surrender, right? Mm. And openness, which I think is so powerful because a lot of times we feel like God's going to judge us or God's going to reject us or like something's wrong with us because we're struggling. Mm -hmm. And reality is, is that he already knows. Yes. And so we can just take that to him automatically and say, God, like here, this, this, this part of my heart right. is not right. Mm-hmm. And I want you to heal it. You know, he's a heart surgeon. And so he'll do yes. that. I think that's beautiful. That vulnerability that you said that to just be able to come, because I think so often we can think that we've got to like put stuff in a pretty bow and got to make things look so nice. And, and yeah. like the Lord does, he wants to encounter our hearts. He wants to encounter us, right? He knows it already. And so being real you know, when I'm coming before him with that realness is so big. Um, would you yeah. talk a little bit also about, you had mentioned shame and worthiness mm. and would you, shame is something that I would venture to say 99.9%, maybe even hundred percent of the population, you know, of it, that in some capacity that is a struggle, right. And it becomes, uh, 
something I really believe that the enemy puts on us because it, it stifles us from actually reaching out to the Lord for help. It re- stifles us from reaching out for help, period. Right. And yeah. um, would you just share a little bit about your, I guess, experience with that and kind of what you've learned? Yeah. Shame is interesting because not from God, it's from the enemy. Yeah. And the goal of shame is to keep you in the dark. Mm-hmm. And so if there's one thing that I could say, it is to shed light on that shame immediately. Yes. Mm. So I'll give you an example, and this is a vulnerable example. So when I was covering, recovering from my porn addiction mm-hmm. and was going through therapy, if I were to have a slip up and I were to look at porn or I were to masturbate, mm-hmm. rather than sitting in shame, Mm-hmm. And wallowing that and thinking that something's wrong with me, which is what the enemy wants to do, I'd immediately bring that to attention mm-hmm. with an accountability partner. Huge. And so I think the important thing to realize is two things. This is solely my opinion. Yeah. I think we miss the mark as sons and daughters of Christ when it comes to sharing our testimony. Mm-hmm. And In February of 2021, I think it was February of 2021, trying to get my times right. In February of 2021, I was laying in bed. We'll just go with that. It's February 5th. I was lying in bed and I felt so uncomfortable in my spirit. I couldn't go to sleep and I was just crying out to God. I was like, God, what is going on? Like something is happening inside me. Something is not right. I do not feel right. What do you want? And I heard the Holy Spirit say, I need you to share your testimony. Mm. I said, okay. And the next day I cleared my entire Instagram, 300 something posts off of it, cleared the whole thing. And I made this post coming out. One, confessing my love for, for Jesus publicly. And two, blatantly saying, here I am. Like, this is me. This is what I've done. This is what mm-hmm. I've struggled with. And so I say that because I think that we miss the mark in realizing that everything that we've gone through, everything that we're going through and everything that God is redeeming in us is for his glory, not ours. And that he wants to use that. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we can grasp that concept of, Hey, this is actually for somebody else, whether we like it or not, (laughs) this is for somebody else's. Yes. If we can grasp that and realize that Mm -hmm. there is no shame in redemption. And that if we've been set free from that, then that's only to bring him glory. Then it becomes a lot easier to begin to speak out about the things that we hold shame around. Yeah. And I'll be the first to say that there's things in my life that I'll hold shame with, right? It's just a matter of how fast can I acknowledge it, realize it and bring light on it. So right? cuz I don't want to walk I don't want to walk in that. Mm-hmm. Cuz it cripples you. Mm. And so this could be about any this shame can be about anything right? It could be about the choices you make with your food, mm-hmm. right? It could be about something that you're struggling with. It could be about maybe texting somebody that you thought you had let go of, but you had a weak moment. Mm-hmm. And so how fast can I realize that the enemy's putting shame on me and how fast can I shed light on it and speak out over it? That is so powerful. You guys, did you hear that? <laughs> I know. But there's some of you that are out there that are struggling. Actually, yeah. all of you guys are struggling in, in some capacity on some element because we're human, right? 
that part of, of shedding light, like bringing it up. So rather than sitting in the shame, but actually elevating and putting light on it is huge, yeah. huge, huge, huge. So let's fast forward. So you've had this beautiful transformation yeah, and you're human and transformation inside out. Like it's a, it's still a process. So where yeah. is Sammy J now? Where's, you know, where's your heart? Where's your mind? Where's your process of just becoming more whole, healing more, um, becoming more the man that God created you to be? What does that look like for you? Yeah, it's a great question. In April of 2022, no, it's 2023. Okay, I had my dates wrong. So in April of 2021, forgive me, uh, I had finally completed, I started therapy and like a really, really intense healing journey in January of 2020. Mm -hmm. That went all the way to April of 2021. So I reached a point where my therapist was like, I think you're good. You need to walk this freedom out because I kept coming in, but I didn't really have anything to talk about. I had broken the porn. I'd broken the sex, the drugs, the alcohol. And he was like, it's time to go. Like, it's time to go walk out this freedom that you've, that you've worked for. And then obviously you've been given. Mm -hmm. And so I left therapy and really began to share my story and try to put that out there. And it was so cool because even women that I had hurt in the past and that had slept with Mm -hmm. were experiencing redemption through me sharing my story, which was so cool. I had multiple women that would reach out to me that I had been with in the past that were like, man, you've inspired me to, to seek healing and to grow, draw closer to God. And so that was amazing. That was probably like one Mm. of the coolest gifts. And so over time, um, as I've walked out the last year and a half, so from that April, 2021 up until this point, um, it's been, it's actually been kind of a roller coaster. Because a lot of my therapy and a lot of the work that I did was centered around that sex and porn addiction. And so there's still a lot inside of me that needs to be worked on and to let go of Mm -hmm. specifically a lot of the trauma and the wounds around my dad and the things that went on in our house and then how I've actually internalized that and taken that on myself. Mm -hmm. And so I actually just began therapy again. Amazing. uh, I guess it was about a month ago. Yeah. In February, I began going to another therapist and working on this part of my life, uh, mm-hmm. specifically around some of the beliefs about myself, yeah. to be honest with you. I'm a, I'm a confident guy and I know who I am and I'm still learning that every single day. And I think one of the things that God's really been teaching me over the last year is sonship and how he sees me and how he loves me and how he created me. I'm still holding on and still harboring some hurt and some wounds from my dad and a lot of negative core beliefs that I picked up from him and they've manifested in my life in different ways. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I'm at today. I Mm -hmm. have been able to recognize that there's some patterns that I've been repeating of his that I really want to break off. And so it's a process. It's been a process and I don't think that journey ever ends. One of the commitments that I made when I was in therapy originally was to never stop doing the hard work. That's what we call it. And therapy is doing the hard work. And so I know that there's more hard work to do. And so that's kind of where I'm at today in regards to that journey of healing. 
Mm, that's beautiful. And you do awesome things in the fitness world. So I do want to put yeah. a plug out there. So people who they are looking to be healthier, I would love yeah. to hear a little bit what you're doing now in the fitness world. Uh, because having that background, I think especially especially when it comes to understanding shame, because from having worked in the fitness world for a really long time, that came up a lot. You know, I'd have clients and and that, that shame piece, and it shows itself in interesting ways, but it will almost always come up in some capacity when it comes to someone wanting to get in shape, whether it's weight loss, whether it's just to put some extra muscle on, you know, if, if you strip away the layers, right? Like what's underneath there, usually there's some aspect of identity, you yeah. know, that, that's, that's in that desire for that. Um, so tell us a little bit, what, what, what are you doing now? Yeah. So I have a company that's called travel fit co. And so we specialize in a couple different things. The first thing is we help high performers. So whether that's somebody that just is highly driven in their career or somebody that runs a business, we help them lose anywhere between 15 to 30 pounds in 12 okay. weeks. We'll help add one to two hours of sleep a night. And mm-hmm. then we're also able to double energy in about 12 weeks as well. Amazing. The other thing that I do at a much higher level for executives and business owners is do executive coaching. And so we really work on how they manage their attention and their energy inside of their work. Yeah. That way they can be all in versus yes. half in and half out. Yes. Right. So essentially, how can we take somebody from working 50 hours a week down to 35 or 40 and get double the amount of work done? Love that. And so those are kind of the two coaching realms that I'm in right now. That's amazing. And guys, if you get a chance, checking out his Instagram, um, and we will post all this stuff in the show notes because I know you were put you'd put something out there. I think it was, it was maybe on time management or something, and it was gold. Mm-hmm. You know, it's absolute gold. And you had a couple of things that we looked into and checked out, and it was like, wow, he is a freaking wealth of knowledge. <laughs> and wisdom. And so if you're looking up to level up guys, if you're looking to, you know, be being healthier, being more whole, if you're looking at elevating, you know, thriving, not just surviving and you want to, um, excel, you know, reach out to this guy. So, so um, but what we'll do is for people to get a hold of you, how we will put everything in the show notes, but there, what do you, how do, how do you want people to reach you? Yeah, the best way to be able to reach me is how you reach me, which is on Instagram. Okay. Or Facebook. Facebook might be a little bit harder to find, but my Instagram handle is at Sammy G Fit. That's probably where I'm the most responsive to be able to reach me for sure. And then I have a website as well. You could visit just to be able to get more information. It's travelfitcode.com. Travelfitcode.com. Amazing. And one question we always ask at the end of our show is how are you currently watering your grass and what would you recommend or invite our listeners to do to water their grass? I love that question. I already shared a little bit about what I'm doing. I have gotten myself back into therapy. So I'm doing therapy twice a week right now um, and really just focusing on breaking through old beliefs and old patterns that I have. And so that's one of the ways that I'm really working on watering my grass and making sure that I'm continuing to grow. The other thing that I'm doing that has been incredible for me that I'll share is I purchased this Bible that's called the Mere Study Bible. Mm. So like a mirror. Okay. And I have been diving into that and can't get out of it. And essentially the gentleman that has written it, and it's just this ongoing translation, but what it is designed to do is to help hold a mirror up to you so you can see Jesus in yourself. 
And it is like the most beautiful, intimate translation of the text I've ever read. Mm. And I cannot recommend that enough for anybody who wants to grow more as a son or a daughter of God to really step into who you are and how God sees you. And I don't know if I can stress the importance of that enough because a lot of people struggle with their identity Mm -hmm. and we on, Mm -hmm. we hang on to these things from our past when God's redeemed us. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that I would encourage. And the last encourage as well, Are you pause for just a second? Go ahead. And the last thing that I would recommend is to be all in and all out. And what I mean by that is fully present. One of the things that I love to teach is how to be all in on one thing. So for example, I think a lot of times people struggle with because they're half in, they're half out. When you're spending time with your friends, you're on your phone, or you're thinking about work. When you're with your family at the dinner table, mm-hmm. you're looking at your phone, answering emails. Mm-hmm. When you're spending time with your spouse or whatever it may be that you're doing, you're somewhere else mentally. Mm-hmm. I think one of the best skills that you can develop as a human being is learning how to be fully present and all in on where you're at. And it's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing skill that you have to learn. And so one of the things that I would encourage is to work on separating yourself from your phone. Yes. When it's not necessary. When you are with people, put your phone away. One of my friends has this saying, she says, hang up and hang out. So good. And so this this thing is the biggest source of distraction. Yes. Right. Whether it's when, if you're working or you're with family or you're with friends or even in church, whatever it may be. And so the more you can begin to separate yourself and create space Mm -hmm. and give your attention to what's right in front of you, I think the better the quality of life you're going to have. I love that. We are just so grateful that you're on here today, Sammy. Thank you for your time. It's the most valuable, you know, one of the most valuable things we have. We can always make more money, but we have 1,440 minutes in a day and we don't get those back. Yeah. So, you know, thank you for being with us. We'll have to have you on again and just share. It sounds like you also have so much stuff in the coaching world that I think would be awesome um, to dive into a little bit with what you're doing there. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And guys, you can, we'll put everything in the show notes and we'll see you next time on Girl. Thanks for you. All right. Thank you.